Welcome to the Common Ground Unity Podcast, where we have great conversations with unity-minded Christians. Our goal is to encourage unity of the Spirit within the Stone Campbell Movement and beyond. We believe unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and join us as we seek to fulfill Jesus' prayer that we may all be one. And now, here are your co-hosts, Megan Rawlings and... Kevin Whitham. Hey, and welcome to the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. We're so thrilled that you're here. I'm your co-host, Megan Rawlings, joined by my co-host, Kevin Witham. And it is so good to be back with you again this week for another uh, podcast on Common Grounds Unity. Uh, bringing people together to have conversation and dialogues from within the Stone Campbell uh, movement. And today we have one of our uh, eminent Old Testament scholars and teachers, uh, Timothy Willis. Uh, Dr. Willis is a professor of religion at Pepperdine University in Malibu. So he's got rough duty there in that uh, part of the the country. No beautiful spot to be. Um, I want to give... Dr. Willis, a little bit of introduction to everybody. Uh, he, he grew up in a, a Christian family, uh, in a family of rich scholarship with a dad who was a scholar and a professor, uh, both at Lipscomb and Abilene Christian. He grew up in Nashville and then Abilene later, uh, but he's currently in California uh, teaching at Pepperdine. He got his Ph.D. in Near Eastern Languages and Civilizations from Harvard University back in 1990 and did other graduate work, an M.A. and an M.Div. in Old Testament at Abilene Christian University and a B.A. in Bible at Abilene Christian University. Uh, Dr. Willis uh, is married to Jan. They've got three grown children. And I'll say about him... um, it, he, he'll be a just a delightful conversationalist about the things we're going to talk about today. He's very engaging, very informed, but maybe one of the, the highest compliments I can pay him comes from one of his former students. My son, Ian, uh, had Dr. Willis at Pepperdine as a freshman a number of years back, and I was talking to him yesterday, uh, Tim, before this today, and I said, hey, by the way, I'm going to get the opportunity to interview uh, Dr. Tim Willis. You had him, didn't you, at Pepperdine. And he said, oh yeah, I had him as a freshman. And he said, uh, he said, wow, dad, he's really bright and you are going to pull some really good content from him. So uh, Tim, glad to have you with us. Well, it's really good to be here, Kevin and Megan. Thank you so much for inviting me. What do we want to talk about? I mean, I'll let you guys take it. <laughs> Where do we begin, right? <laughs> Why don't you start us off um, by telling us just a little bit more about yourself? I mean, uh, Kevin gave a pretty good introduction, but I'm sure there's something you could add. Well, uh, there's a whole lot I could add. Let me just cut to the chase and talk about how I ended up becoming uh, an Old Testament professor, just like my dad, uh, because that was not my goal for many, many years. Uh, when, When I went into college, I actually started off wanting to be like my youth minister. And so I, uh, he was a lot taller than me. I'm a short man. He was a tall man. But other than that, I wanted to be like, uh, like David Lewis, my, my youth minister. 
And so I started in college with that. And then after about a year, I had a couple of friends who said, you know, you really need to get into a, a, a field that's you know, more uh, reasonable, something where you can do something worthwhile. <laughs> so so I, I went into um, education. I have an older brother who's in, in education. Um, and I did that for another year and a half or so. And then in my junior year, I, I took a class that involved doing research about education, and I realized, wow, I enjoyed doing the research. But if I'm going to do research, I should do it in a field that I really, really enjoy digging into, and that happens to be the Bible. Well, then I had to make a choice. Do I go into New Testament, or do I go into Old Testament? I thought, oh, I don't want to go into Old Testament because that's what my dad has done. But then I thought, ooh, there's a lot more job opportunities in Old Testament, <laughs> and, and there's a lot more territory to cover there. So I've got plenty of room to explore in. And so that's why I went into Old Testament, and I haven't regretted it ever since. Well, Tim, we're glad you did, um, because you've got a real gift. It's a gift to be able to you know, want to do the depth of research required, and then to put that in accessible forms as you do. And I'm glad you referenced your dad, because I think many of our listeners were blessed by your dad, uh, John T. Willis, and what a great legacy there. Um, so we're glad you took the route that you did, and God kind of guided you in, in this direction, and I know a lot of students uh, have been blessed by you. Also, I might mention that uh, Dr. Willis uh, wrote one of the uh, pieces of the uh, College Press uh, NIV commentary series on Jeremiah. Uh, so we, we might mention that to our listeners. We've got people looking for good biblical resources and uh, good scholarship, good commentaries, and that would be an excellent one to, uh, to pick up. Uh, Tim, I want to ask you a question. Uh, just some interest out of Galatians chapter 3, 6 to 9. Mm. Um, you know, their scripture says, So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. As a professor of the Old Testament, could you speak to us about this idea of Christians as children of Abraham? Wow, Kevin, just listening to you uh, read that passage again, I just hear so many uh, things that, that need to be said, so many things that need to be remembered uh, and re recognized, realized about all that God is saying throughout the Bible, from Old Testament to New Testament. And, and this, uh, I, I would say, is, is part of the primary thread of the narrative of the entire Bible. It's, it's a little bit discouraging, well, maybe more than a little bit discouraging to me, the way that this is overlooked, first of all, and then also the fact that it, it's, in many cases, because of this very chapter, Galatians chapter 3, that some people um, become sort of dismissive of what's in the Old Testament. Uh, this is the chapter where Paul goes on to talk about how 
the promise was to, you know, that was that God made to Abraham was to Abraham and to his seed, and how that seed is singular and refers to Jesus. And I, I can't tell you how many times I, I've read people who who basically uh, want to go to Genesis chapter 12 or read Genesis chapters 1 through 12. And when they get to chapter 12 and it mentions the seed, what they want to do is use that as a trampoline and jump from there all the way over the rest of the Old Testament mm. to Jesus in the New Testament. And I, I think, well, you're not reading the entire chapter. Because at the end of the chapter, Galatians 3 again, at the end of that chapter, he says, so his conclusion is, if you are Christ's, if you are of Christ, then you, plural, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And I I just think we need to hear that. This is about our identity as Christians, as Christians. And, and why do you think that is often overlooked or not understood, not, not delved into with the depth that I think that requires? Uh, I, I think it's because they, uh, <laughs> uh, boy, we, we need to talk to some New Testament scholars here, but I, I think there's a misunderstanding of what Paul is attempting to do with the talk about the seed, uh, the, of Jesus as the seed of, of Abraham. Um, l- let me just ha, put this seed of an idea in, in people's minds. And uh, again, I, I'd really like to have someone who knows Romans and Galatians very, very well, knows Paul well, uh, to see if this sounds kind of right. But, uh, you know, Paul is no dummy, and he knows Hebrew. One of the things he knows about Hebrew is that the word seed in Hebrew is only singular. And and is that lost in some of the translations that use the term offspring instead of seed? Well, it we lose sight of it. We don't see that. Yeah, I, I noticed in the NIV, for example, almost every time the word seed is used, say in Genesis, they translate it offspring. And so we don't see how often seed is used uh, and that it, and that it, it's like the english word sheep mm-hmm. you know and so paul I, I think paul he's he's trying to make a point but in making one point he he confuses us who don't those of us who don't natively speak that language but i, I today i was thinking again about this and let me just throw this out as an idea but it's sort of like this. It's sort of like, I think what Paul is saying is seed can be singular, but it can also be plural. Mm-hmm. He uses it both ways in this chapter. But it's sort of like this. If you take, say, a, a, a seed of wheat, a wheat seed, and you put it in the ground, you know, one over there, and it grows up, what is it going to, going to produce? Wheat. If you put another seed... 30 feet away in another part of the ground, what's it going to produce? Wheat. Wherever you put these different seeds, they're all going to produce wheat. Why? Because they're all the same seed. Right. They all produce the same thing. And I think what Paul is really getting at, as he himself says, is it's about faith. 
It's about faith. And, and that's what Jesus represents, the singularity of the faith. And he's in this context where you have Jews and Gentiles and you know these different groups, and they tend to be kind of like us to become um, you know more in, uh, exclusive and isolationist mm-hmm. when we're supposed to be recognizing the, our singular you know common uh, essence which is that we are to be people of faith and whose faith is in Christ. That's what makes us of Christ. I have a question. You talking about this, have you read um, Christopher Wright's Mission of God? I have not. Okay. Well, never mind then. (laughs) Read it and then I'll ask you my question. How about that? (laughs) We'll have to have Tim back. We've got to have Tim back for that discussion and then bring a New Testament scholar and have a little panel about that passage. I've read, I went back and read a little bit, uh, you know, where uh, I know that within New Testament studies, they talk about the new perspective on Paul. I I think that reflects a, a similar or maybe the same idea as what I'm trying to suggest here. Okay. And N.T. Wright had some stuff um, to say about, you know, Genesis 12 and how it affected Genesis 11 and bringing everyone together. And I think that plays into a little bit of what you're saying here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, <clears throat> but anywho, um, the Stone Campbell movement has a major focus on restoring the New Testament church. So right. my question is, why is it important for us to be concerned with the Old Testament? Uh, because... <laughs> It's really only with studying and and being discerning with the Old Testament that we truly see how Jesus, the coming of Jesus, the mission of Jesus, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, how all of that fits into the bigger narrative of God's work in the world. Because that's the way the, the people of the New Testament Uh, the Christians of the New Testament. I think that's how they understood uh, their world. Uh, But boy, there there is so much that we we need to learn, um, first of all, from the Jews in the New Testament and then from their ancestors in the Old Testament. Because see, they, I'm talking now about the the Jews that Jesus and before him John the Baptist interacted with, they talked about themselves in a rather kind of arrogant way about being the seed of Abraham. And both John and Jesus try to correct them in how they understand that. And I, I think it's important for us to, to see that. If, if you want references on that, with John the Baptist, look at Luke chapter 3, when, when John is interacting with uh, some of the Jewish leaders there. And, and they're, they're acting like, we don't need repentance. We're, we're the seed of Abraham. And then he says, if you really are, then you need to bear the fruits of repentance. And then, and then Jesus says some similar things uh, to some of his, uh, you know, Jewish questioners uh, in, in John chapter eight. You know, he, he really gets kind of 
uh, forceful with them about, you know, I, I would say, who's your daddy? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you think Abraham is, but no, your real daddy is Satan. And boy, you talk about, you talk about stepping on some toes. It, it's hard to find more stinging rebuke anywhere in the Bible than what you see there in John 8. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Tim, you know, I've often had people um, in Bible classes that I've been teaching or as a preacher, you know, mm-hmm. uh, ask why, why we need to know the Old Testament. You know, we live under the new covenant. Mm-hmm. I had a, a preacher not too long ago say, and, you know, helping people to be formed spiritually, you know, get them right into the New Testament. I mean, they can read the Old Testament later. We've even had some, I think, attempts in modern evangelicism to kind of, there's been a little bit of embarrassment about the Old Testament and some of its laws and, and you know, some of the, the violence that we see there. And some have tried to kind of unhitch the new from the old. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some basic things you'd say we learn about God and his nature that we'd only get from uh, or, or fully comprehend if we if we didn't start there in the Old Testament, what do we miss out on other than some of the things that you've just uh, pointed to? And how how does the Old Testament inform the way we read the New Testament? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, a, a couple of things. One is, uh, you know, I'm going to try to pull, you know, keep keep pulling us about this thing about being the seed of Abraham. Uh, remember, uh, you know, what was the um, what was so important about being the seed of Abraham for the people? Because I, I think that the way that they viewed that, frankly, uh, you know, th- th- they fell into something of a trap. And I think many Christians do something very, very similar. But but here's the deal: they're the they're the they see themselves rightfully so as the seed of Abraham. And in particular, what that means is number one that they inherit something from their father. And and boy, you you see that emphasized so much. Like in that passage in John 8, when when those Jewish people get upset with Jesus for questioning whether they are of the seed of Abraham, they say, oh, no, no, we're not slaves. We are free people. And then they talk about inheritance, you see, this is all about what they're inheriting. So mm-hmm. what are they inheriting? Well, a variety of things. Let me talk about that just for a second. There's a curious thing that I'd like someone to dig more into, and, and, and that's this. In the Old Testament, over and over again, as it's talking about inheriting and what you inherit, particularly from Abraham, it's the land, mm-hmm. right? The land, the, the promised land. And you get that over and over and over again. So everybody wants to, you know, make sure that they have a name so that they are a part of the lineage, so they are part of the inheritance to get the land. But what do you get in the New Testament? What's the question uh, that people have? What is it that Jesus teaches about inheritance? It's, you know, I think of the, the repeated question, Jesus, what must I do to inherit mm-hmm. eternal life? Something has changed, and they're not talking about inheriting land anymore. And boy, I'd like to know why. Boy, that is an interesting observation. Yeah, what's... And Peter talking about our inheritance that never 
perishes, spoils, or fades. Right, and 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 you know, he's talk about searching. You know, what is it in in Hebrews? I think about you know, um, longing or searching for the land, but obviously talking about a figurative, spiritual, heavenly land. Yes. Yeah, so that, that's one thing. The other thing, though, and this is the one I think we really need to hear, uh, be listening to. The other thing that they inherit from Abraham is blessings. Blessings. Yes. Yeah. Now, so here, here's, the, here's the trap that they fell into that I think a lot of Christians do the same thing. That is, they say, okay, what does God promise to Abraham? That I will bless you. You know, you will uh, what? Take control of the of the land. You, you'll you'll be able to stand against your enemies. Uh, you'll have all of these blessings that I will give you from the land of all these crops and you know and houses and wells and security and all this stuff. And it comes out in terms of the material belongings that people have. Mm-hmm. But that's only half of the promise about blessings. Because not, he says, not only will you be blessed, but through you, all nations, all families on earth will be blessed. And I don't think we do enough uh, study and reflection and discerning about what it is to be a blessing to the nations. I, th- I think we, we sort of feel like, oh, that's what Jesus does. And I think this gets back to Galatians 3. Through you and your seed, all nations will be blessed. Oh, and the seed is Jesus and Jesus is alone, alone. And how does Jesus bless everyone? By giving them forgiveness of sins and eternal life in heaven. End of story. Now let's just enjoy the blessings that God has given us. Yes. Along the way. And I think, no, 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 you're missing something. And, and I think Jesus talks about this um, you know, among others. And, and we need to be aware that we, as the seed of Abraham, are also responsible to be blessing others, to be blessing all families on earth. So elaborate just a bit. What do you see as those blessings? Because we, we often kind of reduce our message to come into the church, get saved, and enjoy uh, eternal life. And by that, we often mean the life or the age to come right. rather than eternal life now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so elaborate just a little bit on, on how that text is saying our churches, our people should be blessings in the places where they are. And then tell well, us what you mean by blessing, because I think that's one of those Christianese words we use a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, there's so much. And, and I, I tell you what, I, I, I'm so slow. I just feel like I'm so slow to get this. It's, it's, it took me at least 25 years for this little light to even dawn. And in the last five <laughs> years, it's just been shining brighter and brighter. And that is what is going on with blessing. It starts, where does blessing start in the Bible? Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And then, you know, and and it keeps going. But what's what's involved with blessing? Blessing is directly tied to life. 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 But what do they mean by life? 
boy, that's blessing and life are such uh, uh, rich, rich terms. Uh, But if you start in Genesis 1, it's about God blessing the earth. And here you need my whole class, which takes more than an hour and a half, about what's going on in Genesis chapter 1. In a nutshell, what is going on is that God is transforming a lifeless planet into a life-filled planet. Mm, Boy, that's rich. And along the way, he's blessing the, the first life that he makes so that it will do what? He blesses them so that they will be fruitful and multiply. Mm-hmm. But as, as you go on, though, into chapters two and three of Genesis, you realize that blessing and that life, I should say, life is not just about biologically multiplying. Life is also interwoven with um, character. With, with morality and ethics. Mm-hmm. And, and so, uh, you know, and when you realize that, so much makes sense. Here's the way that I try to get my students to start seeing this, is I introduce them to the idea of wisdom. Wisdom. Uh, and particularly Proverbs chapter 8. There's this beautiful passage there about where wisdom is this personified uh, as a woman, personified as a woman, and she says, I was the first thing of all things that God created. Before he created mountains and hills and streams and everything else, he created me, which is the way of saying that the, the wisdom of God permeates all of creation. But at the end of that chapter, she says, those who pursue me or follow me, something like that, that they are getting life. And those who hate me are on the path of death. Wow. Now that's some good stuff. Hey, um, at this time, we're actually going to wrap up episode one, but stick around, tune in next time, next week, same time, um, because we are going to continue this conversation a little further. Kevin, do you have anything to say before we log off? Just that I can't wait for the next podcast. Sometimes you get on these, Tim, and you feel like, wow, we're really getting to some rich stuff, and we look and our time is up. So I, I want to say thank you and thank you for returning uh, for our next podcast because we'll explore some of these things uh, further and explore, uh, I think, more about how we as Christians kind of function in our community and culture and world, and especially with those who aren't uh, believers, perhaps, and, uh, and, and how we just kind of live in this world and bless. So, Tim, thank you so much yeah. for being with us. How can we stop? I ain't done yet. I, I know. That's why we've got to come back. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to come right back there. Uh, next podcast. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thanks, everybody, for being with us today. Megan, great to be with you. You too, Kevin. See you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Common Grounds Unity podcast with Megan and Kevin. Please check out commongroundsunity.org to learn more about who we are. There are plenty of resources, and you can subscribe to the weekly email articles, join the Facebook group, or find our YouTube channel. 
We've also provided a link in the show notes for comments. You can ask questions or suggest topics and guests. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do that too through the show notes or on our website. Until next time, God bless. And remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee.